moving forward. Uh, and so uh, that is, uh, you, you're gonna, again, you're going to hear that till you're sick of it, I hope. Uh, and then about the time you get sick of it, you get over it. So uh, then you'll get used to it. So uh, that, that is the plan. All right? Jeremiah chapter 3. We've been talking about repentance the last few weeks, um, and God has just kind of uh, laid out. I don't. Uh, I'm not usually too much of a sermon planner, um, but um, I, I'm pretty much ready uh, to preach for the next couple of weeks because he's kind of laid out for me a, uh, a series of messages uh, on this uh, idea. Uh, of uh, repentance. A few week, two weeks ago, we looked at uh, the reasons for repentance. Uh, then last week, we looked at the results of repentance. Uh, this week, I want to focus on the next little section in Jeremiah, uh, beginning in verse 19, uh, as we see the request for uh, repentance. Uh, this, to me, is one of the most amazing heartwarming, encouraging, um, you pick a, uh, an adverb and, and go with it. Uh, I love this aspect of God, uh, that God wants me to repent, uh, that God desires that his people uh, come back to him. Uh, the Jews at this time were living uh, woefully far from God. They were uh, practicing some very uh, immoral, uh, idolatrous things. Um, and it would seem to me uh, that the uh, natural, obvious thing, I, I've shared with you before, you know this, uh, I have told you that if I was God, I would be the lightning bolt God. Uh, I would frown and start over. Uh, that would have been my, uh, my way of dealing with Israel. Uh, they, again, they, they have a habit uh, of straying from God, and He brings them back, and they stray from Him, and uh, they keep going through that. Well, uh, eventually I would, uh, I know me, uh, and if I would I'd like to tell you I had uh, way more uh, patience and compassion than that, but I know me, uh, and I'm probably better than I used to be, uh, but by now, uh, Israel would be ashes, because I would have uh, lit them up and started over, uh, and uh, I know that about me, but one of the most, uh, again, amazing things to me about God, thank God God is in that way, amen, uh, because uh, I would be ashes along with Israel, because I know how many times uh, I have wandered and strayed, and he's had to drag me back uh, as well. One of the most amazing aspects of God uh, is that, that he loves us uh, and wants us to turn uh, from our wicked ways, even provided uh, a path, even provided uh, a way for us to do that. We're going to look at that in one of our uh, future uh, discussions of repentance. But uh, tonight and today, I just want to look at this uh, idea of his requesting, his desire uh, for his people uh, to turn uh, and his people to come back. And that's still, uh, if God's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, uh, he's still that way. He has a desire uh, to see each of us uh, return, each of us draw closer to him, uh, each of us, again, I given you my image of repentance numerous times, of going down the road, turning around, uh, and coming back. That's God's desire uh, for each of us. So look with me, uh, if you will. 
uh, in chapter 3. We're going to start in uh, verse 9. And, and he says, uh, here in these words, um, he says, I, I said uh, how I would set you among my sons, give you a pleasant land, uh, a heritage most beautiful of all nations. What he's talking about there uh, is, again, his promise. Uh, he had told the Israelites uh, all the way back, uh, all the way back to Abraham, how he was going to make a great nation out of them. Uh, he brought them out of Egypt, bringing them uh, to the promised land, a land uh, flowing with milk and honey. And he says, I, I promised you uh, that nation. And he says, I thought uh, you would call me uh, my father uh, and would not turn from following me. So the first thing I, I noticed... <clears throat> about uh, his desire, the desire uh, of God is that, uh, that, that uh, what I'm going to call uh, the painful dilemma. Uh, God is uh, brokenhearted. God here, uh, if you read those verses carefully, uh, you see that God uh, is distressed. Uh, he is brokenhearted uh, over the actions and the decisions uh, of the people of Israel. He says, I promised you uh, a land that was uh, a beautiful land, a land uh, that was flowing with milk and honey. I delivered you out of uh, your Egyptian bondage. I delivered you uh, from your captivity. I delivered you uh, from your slave masters. I brought you through the wilderness. I brought you across the Red Sea. Uh, I brought you through the Jordan. I brought you uh, into this land. I defeated your uh, enemies in front of you. Uh, I did all that and I fought I thought uh, as a result of that uh, that you would call me Father. I thought as a result of that uh, you would look at me uh, as your Father, that you would, uh, you would consider yourself uh, my children, you would consider yourself uh, children of God, me your Father, uh, and be obedient to me. That's what I thought uh, would happen. That's what I uh, had hoped for, that you would recognize recognize my uh, compassion, that you would recognize uh, my generosity, that you would recognize uh, my defense, that you would recognize my provision, that you would recognize uh, the safety uh, that I had given you, that you would recognize uh, the deliverance that I gave you, you would recognize this beautiful flowing land uh, that I gave you, and as a result of that, uh, that you would be my children. Uh, uh, that you would live uh, in, in that way, that you would call me uh, my father. He says, but I'm, I'm torn now. I'm hurt because I have done all that for you. Uh, I have provided all those things for you. Uh, I have given you uh, an amazing inheritance, a land uh, that, was, uh, that was flowing with, uh, he describes, milk and honey. Uh, he says, I've given you that land. I've given you uh, that inheritance. I have told you uh, that wherever your feet trod, wherever you walk, I will give you uh, that land. And I thought as a result of that, uh, that you would uh, be in love with me, uh, that you would serve me, that I would be 
uh, you would make me your God. But instead, uh, what I see is uh, a a people that has turned their back on me, uh, a people that has uh, strayed from me, who who have worshipped other gods, who have uh, broken all the the laws, all the commandments that I uh, have laid down for them, who have rejected the leaders that I've provided for them, uh, who have... Uh, who have uh, went against me at every turn. It almost seems that uh, in many ways that uh, the people of Israel, that uh, if God was to say that's a light, they would have said, oh no, it's a basketball. Uh, I mean, it seems like in almost every uh, way that God leads them, in almost everything God desires for them, it seems as if they are determined to go in the absolute opposite direction. And God says, I'm, I'm confused, I'm pained by that. Any of you ever seen that happen? Some of you may have had that happen with your own children. Uh, you know, you have given them, you have tried, you have loved them, you have cared for them, you have provided for them, and yet um, it, it seems that in, in, in many many cases uh, that they do the opposite uh, of, of what you have taught them and expected them to do. Uh, sometimes it's uh, you know in, in work or other environment, but we have that uh, happen around us quite often, and the reality is. Uh, that it still happens today among God's people. God, God has a, uh, a dilemma here as He looks. Time and time again, God has called them to repentance. Go back and you just start reading in the book of Genesis. And, you, and again, the Old Testament is not in chronological order, uh, but nonetheless, uh, you start reading. And you read all the times that we see Israel... Uh, just madly in love with God, serving God, and then we see them down here going completely the opposite direction, and God calling on them for repentance. Pretty much uh, what what we have in in the minor and major prophets of the Old Testament, pretty much it's safe to say uh, that uh, generally speaking, uh, the, the latter half of the Old Testament is various authors, various prophets that God sent along to say to Israel, you need to return. Over and over again, God called them to repentance. Over and over again, God, God called them to repentance. And I'm not sure who that says the most about. Whether that says the most about the stubbornness of Israel or the compassion and the love of God. But I'm thinking that I'm going to go with the compassion and the love of God. Because it doesn't take a whole lot to be stubborn and obstinate, but it takes a lot to be compassionate and forgiving and caring. And I want you to know today that the God that stood on the throne and called Israel back is still today sitting on the throne calling people back. He still wants to see us turn. He still wants to see us change. He still wants to see man uh, transformed. He still wants to see us not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's how Paul words it. God still 
uh, looks and He's still providing and He's still blessing and He's still giving us uh, abundance uh, of, the, uh, of the gifts of God. He's still pouring those out on us and He's still looking and saying, you know, I thought surely as good as I've been to you, you'd be my children. You'd be obedient. You'd follow me. We see his painful dilemma. But then we see the people's description. Look how he describes these people. After saying, I thought, surely you'd be my children. Surely you'd call me God. Here's how he describes them. He says, you're like a treacherous wife that leaves her husband. And you've been treacherous to me. You've been treacherous to me. A voice on the bare heights is heard, the weeping and the pleading of Israel's sons, because they have perverted their way. They have forgotten the Lord their God. That's a pretty plain, blunt description of the sin of Israel. You have been like a treacherous wife. You have been like a wife who has had everything provided for her. You have been like a wife who has had uh, a nice home, who has had a good family, who has had everything she could desire, and yet chooses to abandon and forsake her husband. And let me say something there. I know some that, uh, that because... A, a, a lady, and, and I know I'm bordering on, uh, what do they call that, chauvinism here. Uh, you know, I, I know that because a man, uh, because a lady lives and she has a home and a car and all those things and provided clothes and those kind of things, that doesn't necessarily mean she's happy. You, you, you know, I, I know, I know a lot of women who live in, in shacks who are much happier because they've got a husband who loves them, Okay? Well, I want you to understand when God says here, you're like a treacherous wife, He did provide them all their necessities and He was a loving God. It wasn't like He was working 80 hours a week and never home. It wasn't like He was out running around. Not only did Israel have all the provisions that a wife could hope for, she had a husband who loved her who doted on her, who gave her all of her desires, who loved her with an unending, undying love, and she still chose to cheat. That's how God describes these people. I want you to take those two verses and bring them together. I thought that if I loved you, I thought I could give you a land. I thought I would take care of you and you would call me father, but instead of being like a child to a father, instead of being a loving child to a good father, instead you have become like an adulterous, cheating wife. That's the description of the people. That's how they acted. That's how they were acting as they worshipped other gods, as they 
followed uh, broke the commandments and the laws of God as they did these things. He said, you're acting uh, like a, a, a wife and you have perverted. And furthermore, he goes on in that last line, he says, and you have forgotten the Lord God. You have forgotten Him. You have put Him off the radar. You have ignored everything about God. Then we see his reaction. This is where we see the amazing, overwhelming love of God. You see the passionate desire. After that description, look what he says. Return. Return. Repent. Come home. Come home. If you didn't know God, If you didn't know Scripture, and I was to have read to you and talked to you for a few moments here about verses 19, 20, 21, and I ask you, now what do you think verse 22 said? I would, I'm not a gambling man, but this wouldn't even be a gamble. This would be a sure thing. There's not a person in this room who if you didn't know the nature of God, who if you didn't know the nature of Scripture, who would say that as a result, as a verse following, I thought I would love you, you would call me your children, but instead you have acted like an adulterous, cheating wife. What's the next line? No one in this room would have said, come home. Come home. No one in this room would have ever imagined that that would be the response of God. But can I tell you this morning, that is, was, still is, will be the response of God over and over again. God says, come home. Yes, you've acted like an adulterous wife. Yes, you've cheated. Yes, you've been treacherous. But I love you. Return, O faithless sons. And look what he says. I will heal your faithlessness. Behold, we come to you for you are the Lord our God. He says, you come back and I will heal you. You come back and I will turn. You know how most of us are. Most of us, if we were in God's shoes and they came back, they returned They came knocking at the door. We'd peek out the peak pole and say, you have got to be kidding. You have got to be joking me. Seriously? You're back knocking on my door? Wait a minute, I'll throw your junk out the window. You you, you You don't need to come knocking around here. I'm done with you. What's the amazing thing about God? He says, return, and I will heal you. I want you to know something this morning. If you're here today, if you're watching, joining us online, I don't care how far you've went. I don't know how low you have descended, how much sin, how much immorality, how far you have gone. 
you have not gone further than the love of God. There are people sitting all over this room who could stand today and tell you, and I'm not going to ask them to because I wouldn't put them on the spot and I don't want to give Satan any glory for hearing it. But there are people sitting in this very room this morning who could stand and tell you of depravity in their life that would make the hair in your ears singe. But then they would tell you about the grace of God that reached down further than their depravity. And I want you to know today that Satan may climb on your shoulder and Satan may tell you you've gone too far and you've done too much. You've been too wicked. You've been too mean. But to you, God says, return and I'll heal you. I'll heal you. There are others in this room who you do know Christ. You'd say, I am saved. I have been, I have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I have been cleansed. But you know, I, I've kind of strayed. I've kind of wondered. I've kind of gone afar from where I was. I want you to know something this morning. Still, listen, if God saved you to begin with, if He can reach you where you were, He can still reach you where you are. He can still turn you around. He still loves you. And He still wants to forgive you. Unfortunately, we see in this passage the people. Look what it says. You see, finally, in this passage, you see the... uh, the profane decision. The end of verse 23 says, Behold, we come to you, for you are the Lord our God. Truly the hills are a delusion, uh, the orgies on the mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. That sounds real good, doesn't it? That sounds real lovely. Truly the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. Hooey! Boy, that's some sweet talk right there. How many of you know what usually comes out of sweet talk? Nothing. <laughs> you ever notice that? Especially Israel's sweet talk. Israel makes this wonderful response to the call of God for repentance. Oh, Truly, He's our God. He is the only place of salvation. You are the Lord God. Behold, we come to you, He says. While Josiah was king, the Israelites did do better. Let's put it that way. I don't know if I want to call it repentance or not, but they did better. They did do better. They turned around a little bit. But their confession, their change was temporary. It was superficial. To put it bluntly, it was fake. It looked good, but on the inside they were still rotten. They were still rotten. Look at this statement. Verse 23. They admit that salvation only comes from God. If you keep reading in verse 24, you'll see that if you go on, it says they admit that false worship and idol worship had had cost them everything, had ruined them. 
Verse 25, if you look. Again, let us lie down in our shame. Let dishonor cover us, for we have sinned against the Lord of God. They confessed their sin. If you were to just, again, read those verses, you would think, Woohoo! Revival broke out in Israel. Well, if you like happy endings, quit reading the book of Jeremiah right there. Because <laughs> if you keep reading, you find out that it was all a profession, never a possession. It was all fake. It all looked good on the outside. It was all a, 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 an outward, but it never came from the depths of the heart. It looked good, but there hadn't been a real change in their heart. Anybody in here ever picked up an apple or a peach or some other fruit or vegetable, and you look at it and you think, man, that's pretty. That's a good-looking piece of fruit. It's a good-looking vegetable. The thing that stands out to me, and I won't say where they came from, but I can remember years ago, before I was ever pastor here, and some of you wouldn't go there to begin with, but I had a box of chicken livers. And they looked good. But I bit into one. And let's just say it was not good. Anybody ever had a fruit, an apple, an orange, banana? Man, it looked good, and you bit it. And when you bit it on the inside, it was rotten, or it had worms. You ever done that? I love, I know it's almost lunchtime. I know. I'm trying to help you on your diet. You ever had a piece of fruit or some other kind of food that looked really good and then you bit it and it was terrible? It was rotten? It was bug infested or worm infested? Folks, that's where Israel was. They put on a new coat and they looked good. They professed good they sounded good, but inside they were still rotten. I saw a video the other day online of this guy, and he took and he put all his clothes on backwards, and he was standing at the kitchen cabinet and his sister was going to come up behind him and scare him but what she didn't realize was he was looking at her the whole time because he had pulled his hood up and he was turning around and when she walked up to scare him he grabbed her that's about the way Israel's repentance I told you repentance was coming down the road and turning around what Israel did was they kept going this way. They just turned their clothes around, put their clothes on backwards. So their clothes were facing the right way, but they kept right on going in the wrong way. 
there are people in the sound of my voice this morning in this room, online, who you got your clothes on backwards. You look like you're going in the right direction, but you're still traveling the wrong way. You're still moving further and further from God. I want to close with one question this morning. Is the road you're on, is the way you're traveling getting you closer to God or further from God? Is the way you're traveling getting you closer to God or further from God? Nobody can answer that question but you. You know, you get out here today and you leave this church and you see other people in their cars going down the road, you don't know where they're going. You may know where this road, but you don't know where they're, you don't know where they're actually headed. They may be lost. I don't know where you're going. I don't know what road you're on. Only you can answer that question. Is the road you're on getting you closer to God or further from God? If you were to die on that road you're on, where would you be? You don't know Jesus Christ personally today. Whether you're in the room or online, would you reach out? I'd love to show you from God's Word how you can know Jesus Christ, how you can get off of that road that is taking you further from Him and get on a road that will take you closer to Him. Which one is it? I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. God says to Israel, I thought all I did for you, you'd, you'd respond to me. He could say the same thing here today. All I've done, I sent my son to die for you. I thought surely you'd respond. But instead, you've went further. You've put on a show. You've pretended. But the road you're on is leading you further and further away. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We ask you to stir our hearts today. God, there are people in this building, there are people online who know Christ as their Savior. But God, they're moving further from you instead of closer to you. God, we pray that today would be a day of repentance, a day of revival in their life, that they would return. And they'd serve you. That they would change roads, go on a path that's bringing them closer to you instead of further from you. God, for the one that's listening, the one that's watching, the one that's in this room that doesn't know Christ personally, Lord, if they were to die today, they know that they would die lost and die separated from you. God, I pray today would be the day God, that you'd deal with their heart and you'd break through their defenses and they'd come to know Christ personally. We'll give you the honor for what you do in this place, which in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, as we stand. Where's the road you're on leading? 
leading you closer to God or further from God. The road you're on gets you where you want to be. But like Israel, do you need to turn? attention. Thank you for being here uh, this morning and uh, I ask you again as we go out um, again just to uh, be cautious, respect other people's um, personal space. Uh, some again are still more uh, comfortable than others. Um, you see some of you with masks, some without, some bumping fists, some shaking hands. Um, before you go up and grab somebody and hug their neck, you might get slugged. So, uh, you know, you might get more than Delta. Uh, you know, uh, and so just, again, just be cautious and careful. And uh, if you're not sure, ask them. All right, if I hug your neck before you snatch hold of them. They might not like you anyway. So, uh, you know, might not have nothing to do with Delta. Uh, so uh, just um, you know, respect people's, uh, their decision. Your de- you make your decision. If you want to wear a mask, whatever, let them make theirs. And again, I'm just thankful we've been through this whole thing without, uh, again, having to cancel a church service or uh, have any big breakouts like uh, a lot of our churches uh, have had to do. Again, I know of one that uh, basically had to shut down for about three months. And so uh, they just kept passing it around to each other. And so uh, thankful for that. And so uh, you've done well being careful so far. Uh, And so let's uh, continue uh, to be cautious in that. All right, let's pray as we dismiss. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the day you've given us, Lord. God, I thank you for allowing us to be here tonight, today. Uh, God, that you would take your word. God, you would use it uh, to change us, to turn us, uh, put us on a, a path, a road uh, that brings us uh, closer to you uh, and uh, puts us in your will. God, for anyone that's listening to, uh, today that uh, is here in this room that doesn't know Christ personally, uh, Father, I pray that you would convict them that uh, they'd come to know you. We'll give you the honor for it all. Which in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.